Hello, hello, hello. It is Mr. Adam Max, and you're listening to The Pursuit on the Out of Bounds Network. Happy first week of summer. Things are good. Weather's changing. No complaints on this end. It's the week after Memorial Day. I hope everyone had a banger weekend. Hope you had some good weather. I hope you just got out there. I don't care if you went camping, you hung out. This podcast is sponsored by Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada is the official beer of camping. I love it. I think this partnership is so much fun. I spoke about it before, but as many of you guys know, I don't drink. So when they approached me, I had to be very clear on that, and they were very clear with them not minding and just having it be a fun partnership for both of us. Uh, They do a ton with sustainable energy and reusable energy. They put a lot of money into, you know, sports and outdoor activities that I really enjoy. Uh, They're the official beer of camping, which, I mean, I camp every day, so that's rad. It's really fun. It's been a great partnership so far, so please go check out their new summer seasonal. I think I'm the first ever straight edge beer ambassador. My guest this week is Kelly McCaughey, and I worked really hard to say that last name, Kelly, so I hope I got it right. Uh, We literally rehearsed it for two minutes prior to starting the episode. So Kelly McCaughey, she is a dirt biker, an event coordinator, a snowboarder, a wife, a designer. She kind of does it all, but her big thing is... She runs women's off-road events called Over and Out. You can find them at Over and Out Moto on Instagram. And basically what they are is summer camps for adults for females. So if you're a female looking to get into motocross or woods riding or riding a motorcycle in general, they have bike rentals. If you're an expert, they have clinics. It's just a rad weekend with a bunch of women to empower each other to go ride dirt bikes and be outside. So Kelly was awesome. Excellent guest. Super pumped to have her on the show. And I hope, you know, she's got four, three, four events this, this summer. She's got one in three weeks. So I think there's a couple slots left. So check her out at over and out moto. And I mean, yeah, enjoy. Cause I enjoyed it. Okay. Kelly, you are live on the podcast. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, uh, my name is Kelly McCahey. I am the founder and the owner and producer of a women's only off-road moto event. Um, Actually, a series of events now because we've grown from just one event to I think this year I'm doing four. Um, That's basically events for women who ride or want to ride dirt bikes, enduros, dual sport motorcycles, um, especially here on the east coast and the northeast where we have almost no public land Um, we open up private land so that women can come and take lessons or bring their own bikes and ride and just have a good time i mean we focus on riding and having fun that's our mo Um, and so now we do that we have two big campouts each year Uh, so next month we have our over and out moto x campout, which we do in stockton new jersey And then this September, we have our original dual sport enduro and woods riding camp out. And that we hold in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. And it's called the whole, the whole, it's not a series, it's an event, right? 
and the it's all called over and out is kind of like the umbrella yeah and then within over and out the brand ideally you host woods events dual sport events i think you have a track like motocross based event correct Mm -hmm. are they all can you get a piece of that in all of them or are they all very specific to the weekends um i mean the idea was really to bring together different riding disciplines together into one event that's why we actually actually our name over and out kind of refers to that we have you know trails on site on the campgrounds that you know, go through the woods that girls can ride. That's the over you're riding over the mountain. Um, and the out is for girls who have street legal plated on road, off road bikes that might be a little, you know, too heavy or the tires aren't the right equipment for the woods, but they do, they go out on dirt roads, uh, routes like that. Um, so over and out, we always kind of merge a couple different riding disciplines that otherwise are not really mixed at other events. Um, and so the, the Moto X event in specific, uh, that has a motocross track, like you said, but we also invite other types of riders to come. So if you're a woods rider who's never ridden on a motocross track, which there's a there's a lot of girls out there who have ridden in the woods and they've never set foot on a track, this is their opportunity to come and try riding a motocross track. And then vice versa, there's motocross girls who have just never ridden slow in the woods. They learned on a track, they stayed on a track. And so they do the opposite. They come, they ride the track, and then they can also, you know, take a jaunt through a woods loop. And at the same time, we also ha- still have the guided dual sport routes. So girls who have street legal plated bikes with on-road, off-road tires, you know, they come, they camp and do all the same fun activities as everyone else for the whole weekend. Um, but there's a riding option for them where they can join uh, guided dual sport routes that go off site, you know, and so those explore, you know, anywhere from three to six hour guided group rides. Um, and this way there are girls who like, if they got into riding from street riding and maybe they have an on-road off-road bike, but they've never tried a full dirt bike, they could come ride their own bike one day. And then the other day they could take a lesson, um, with a small dirt bike. So it's just a way of opening more doors to all different types of riders. Um, it's not the same at each event. So, you know, we kind of explain through our website, what's available, the riding options at each event. Um, but that's really our goal is to just expand women's horizons and cater to what they can already ride, but also open doors for them and let them kind of cross over. And we've, I've seen that happen already. I've seen girls who are just full dirt riders, you know, go and get their licenses and now, you know, get street bikes too. And then vice versa, street riders come through with a on-road, off-road dirt bike, and then they take a lesson and they start riding just strictly woods. And so now we're at the point where we've got a couple girls who have made the full journey one way or another, or now have two or three bikes and they come, you know, prepared to do different things, different days, which is really freaking awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. Oh, so you have rentals, you like you have bikes available for people to ride if they don't have, I mean, can you show up without a bike? You can. Um, and that's it. A little tricky so we have lessons um and our lesson partners you know so we don't own the lessons we have lesson partners we have you know people who are um certified to teach and do that for a living and that's their business so they come and they run the lessons uh, they do have a fleet of bikes uh so you know if you book a six hour intro 
you know, intro to dirt lesson with them, they have two options. So you can do it with a bike or without a bike. So we have girls who come and they do that lesson with a loaner bike, or there are some other girls who, you know, maybe they have a small bike they borrowed from a friend um, that they bring and they still do the lesson. So we kind of try to make it fit every which way. So, I mean, we have girls who just <laughs> have borrowed bikes last minute from friends and squeezed them into minivans even, you know, and showed up with, and they, you know, they don't necessarily know exactly what to do, but if they get it over into a lesson, then by the time they come out at the end of the day, they're like, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. So is there, is there a full, sorry, I'm just going to ask, cause that's my job is just to ask, 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 but is there like a full layout of the day? Like you start lessons here and you do this, or is it kind of like you pick and choose what you want to do? I'm picturing a summer camp for adults and oh yeah, uh, full transparency. We both know this, but my girlfriend, Jessica, she's gone to this event. So that's how I knew of you and the event. And I was like, man, I wish they could do something that like that for guys, but I don't think any guys would go because we're all stubborn and like bullheaded. And I hear these conversations that Jess has and it's like her coming home from a summer camp. Like she oh, met yeah. all these girls and now she's gone enough that she just sees these girls once a year. And yeah. I'm like, what is this? Like, it's like a mini, I hate saying cult, but it's like a mini little cult, but it's all, it's <laughs> awesome. And it's really refreshing, but I'm just trying to beat it through for everyone else listening that you can sign up. You could take one lesson. You could take five lessons. You could free ride the whole time. You can kind of, yeah. you choose your adventure, right? Absolutely. Um, you, everything you said is right on. I mean, I look at it as an adult summer camp. Um, I'm an adult. I don't have kids. I still live a very uh, sports, a sporty life, you know, like I ride dirt bikes, I snowboard. These are the things I like to do. Um, and so nothing against kids, but this is what I like to do. And so you know, I started an event that is for women ages 21 and up um, because there is also a certain vibe that comes about when you get together with other women your age. I mean, if you think about <clears throat> for most women, you know, where are you making friends? You know, you make you make friends in school when you're younger and then as adults, you kind of have your own lives. And where is it that women make friends with other women who are like them? Um, and so this kind of the event really started organically, but what the, the immediate thing I did discover is that the women who were into motorcycling and outdoor adventures and maybe wanted to try dirt biking like I was, were like, we got along, very easygoing, very just excited to do new things. Um, and so it's just not to use that buzzword of like like-minded individuals, but you know, you say- Yeah, but there's a reason yeah. that word exists, right? Absolutely. You know, you meet like-minded individuals at, at an event like this. Um, and it is, I do look at it like summer camp because again, you know, for adults, um, I'm also like into health, you know, I'm not a drinker. I'm not into drinking or drugs. I, I like to, you know, I just, I like to do activities. I like to do fun things. Um, you know, so there's, I like also music, you know, there's bands, you could go to a festival, although, you know, for me, typically like festivals, that's not exactly my vibe, Cup you know, so <laughs> this, this is my vibe, like fun things to do, meeting people. And, and it's all, like I said, it's, it's focused on riding, but also fun. So the fun activities we have are, you know, like one year we had the state park come and do a bear talk around the fire. So it's an educational talk about bears, you know, and it's, 
it's short. It's like a half hour, but it's fun to sit around the fire and make s'mores and learn about bears. And, and then um, another activity we might have is um, we do a raffle every year, which is just so exciting because we get a lot of really cool stuff from some really big names in the industry. So it's super exciting. Um, mini games. So we'll have mini moto games. So, you know, a lot of these girls who bring <clears throat> like small wheeled bikes whether you have one, whether you don't, there are always some there and, and we have ladies team up. So you can, you can race with your own small bike or you can join a team. And you know, with a small bike, there's not a lot to fear. So it's all fun. And it's also a little silly, you know, you're full size on a small bike. Yeah. You're a bear, a, a bear on a bike. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's all fun and there's prizes and you, you know, you race in front of each other. It's, you know, it's hilarious. So there's a lot of laughs. Um, I just have to say that there, there so there is a schedule, and the way I lay it out is there is there are riding opportunities that are open the whole time, you know, so we have the property and the terrain options for different types of riders. And so right up front, we say, OK, these are the terrain options here and here's what you can ride. You can do that anytime, basically from start to finish at the event. And then within the event, we schedule out uh, different lessons or these guided rides for dual sport riders. And and I do that very thoughtfully so that if you want to do more than one thing, you can. So whenever we launch uh, tickets or even in advance of ticket sales on the event page, I'll have a three day, like a visual schedule that people can look at and you can say, okay, well, the first day I get there, I just want to ride the second day. I want to take a full day lesson, you know, but at this time I want to be able to demo uh, a beta motorcycle. So you can kind of figure out when you're going to do that. You can kind of plan your most epic weekend. Um, and with next month's event, which is our motocross focused event, I'm even bringing in a couple of non-moto activities that I think ladies would enjoy. So we have, um, we have a company called The Yard. They're based in uh, outside of Philly and they're a skate, a skate shop basically, but they also own like a, you know, however large uh, indoor, they built an indoor skate park and they do lessons. So they're coming to teach lessons on a skate ramp. Um, which sounds super intimidating to people who don't skateboard. I mean, myself included, but they're beginner lessons. So it's just like learning how to stand on the board, learning how to, you know, tic-tac stuff like that, starting from the ground up. So, you know, it sounds intimidating, but we have, I'm really excited for girls who already skate to come and do that, but also girls who've never, or women who never thought they would ever set foot on a skateboard. They'd be like, Oh, okay. No, this is just beginner. I, I'm going to do this. Um, we also have a goat yoga class planned just because I've heard about this goat yoga more than I feel I should. <laughs> well, who doesn't love that? I mean, you get to be around little animals and they hang out and sometimes they jump on your back if you're in a plank pose and that's about it. <laughs> it's amazing. But you know, sometimes you want to take a break during the day, get in a nice stretch. Um, just, you know, stretch out, enjoy yourself, socialize a little bit, and then go back to riding. So, you know, an hour break for a goat yoga class. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I, I'm with uh, you. If I could go, I would, I think, to this, yeah. to this event. It's funny you said, I mean, I've had a lot of, a lot of guys say, you know, or comment, you know, we need this for men. And that's, it's definitely something I've thought of doing, you know, do I branch out, do a co-ed event? Um, there are tons of co-ed co events out there, obviously. It's just the difference is um, really the tone with which they're created 
and the tone with which they're set. I mean, I think, I think the tone that I've set for this event attracts a certain person that has a certain mindset, you know? So the crowd that we draw is such a great crowd. They're, they're curious, they're adventurous, they're willing to step out of their comfort zone, but they're also aware of being thoughtful about the shared space that they have with other people, but also thoughtful about their own approach to, you know, these sports. I mean, these are sports, you know, motorsports isn't just like riding a motorcycle on the road where you're kind of relaxed. It's a full body sport. Um, you know, that mentality of like, just send it <laughs> is great. But when it comes down to it, no one should really just send it unless they they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're so, skilled professionals. These people that we watch do it. Yeah. And, and so part of that is talking about or confronting ego, but also the nervousness of being maybe a new rider or maybe not being as good as everyone else. And we really work hard to dispel that because uh, if you're not addressing that head on and accepting it and just being who you are and being there to learn, um, you know, the, the other alternative is the kind of person who says, well, I, I'm just going to send it. And that's reckless. We yeah, don't want you get that, hurt but... and that's not. And I think I think yeah. bringing in guys would totally change the dynamic. Like mm -hmm. women have this. And it's it's the world's fault, but this thing to be like pretty and cute and like always be on and maybe I'm wrong because I'm a guy and maybe I'm overstepping but like it feel it's so nice and I can see it with Jess is like she can just go and have fun and not worry about like makeup and like guys whatever and it's not like it matters but it just changes it like me and my guy friends hanging out versus me and guys and girls is a different dynamic just as a bunch of girls getting together is a different dynamic and like you're camping and you're dirty and you're riding dirt bikes. And to me outside looking in, it's like such a weekend to like, let it all go. Like you don't have to put your, you never, no one ever has to put their makeup on. Let me say that loud and clear, but right. I feel like people feel like they need to do that specifically women. So hearing it is like, Oh, you can just go and like be a human and no one's going to judge you. So like, round of applause for yourself for like creating what sounds like this amazingly safe space to learn and try and grow as a human, as a female and inspire other females to do a male dominated sport industry space. If that rant yeah. makes sense. No, I, I love a lot of what you said and it, and, um, to be fair, you know, it's, it's not all men. And I think the men who are like, have said to me, we, we, I want an event like this are all really nice, considerate men who would be enjoyable to be around. And I think that's, that's one of the things that within the male community, you obviously have different types of men, just like in the female community you have different types of females. So it's a little bit more about the overarching mindset um, and the personality and the temperament that you have that an individual has, whether they're, whether they're male or female. But I also like what you said about, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that all women feel like they need to be on. I'm not, you know, obviously that's going to be different across the board for everybody. But one of the things that kind of, I always think about is, um, you know, I minored in film actually in, in school, I majored in sciences, but I, I minored in film. <laughs> 
one of the things I remember was um, with specific uh, women in films classes talking about uh, the role of women in a certain movie. And I, I think one of the movies we, we looked at was, um, I think it was Boys in the Hood. Okay. Uh, yeah. And how every, I think that was it, unless it was another one similar, but I'm pretty sure it was Boys in the Hood. And it was um, that every female in that film was just an extension of a male character. So you're looking at this male group, the male social pod of how they're connected and they're connected through you know, what they do, but then women in a certain film are connected because they're someone's mother, they're someone's sister, or they're someone, you know what I mean? And so I see that a lot in life. I think it's easier for men to sort of form social groups and women end up meeting a lot of other women because you're an extension of that group. Um, obviously that's not the case for everyone, but it's definitely the case it's the case for me. I mean, I have, I have girlfriends that I've definitely made, but I think because I've always also been like one of the guys, I can get along really well with a guy group. And then you're, you know, you're automatically exposed to their significant others and their friends. And it's a different kind of connection. And so I feel like when you're doing the athletic thing and you have something in common, you're then directly meeting the people you have something in common with, instead of just meeting people who are extensions of you know, the, the males in your life. Um, so I definitely think about that. And I definitely think about, um, you know, obviously, you know, like identity and gender is kind of a very big topic right now. But from day one, I wanted to launch this as a business and a brand that was done no differently than I would do if it was for men. I didn't want anything even referring to girls in the name of it. That's why I went with over and out not girls who ride or something like that. Um, and I knew that that would be a disservice to me from like, say an SEO or Google search standpoint, right. but uh, it was really important to me. And I remember kind of crafting, you know, brainstorming my initial, you know, days of, okay, what am I going to call this? And what is, what does it look and feel like? And, um, you know, my whole list was about not being overtly um, stereotypically female, you know, no pink, on everything, um, no sexualizing. You know, I didn't want, you know, the word dirty to be, you know, used as an innuendo or anything re referring to like skirts or makeup, you know, and no, no offense to the groups that do that because I mean, I think that that's fine. But for me, it was really important of, I look at male brands and look at, okay, they're talking about writing, uh, technique, sport. I mean, if you're looking at gear, you're, you're talking about the research that went into developing the gear. And so in a lot of these industries, how women are spoken to is just an extension. It's this like feminized extension of what really matters, you know? And so I didn't want to do that. I don't want the little watered down, you know, feminized extension of the sport. I was like, let's talk about the sport and let's talk about what it is for women riding and specifically in the Northeast. Um, and let's talk about it at all levels. And let's just, let's just put that out there for the value that is there for every little aspect of that. You know, I don't want the value of the event or the sport to feel like an extension of anything else. Does that make sense? No, it does. And it, like, I always call it pink it and shrink it. Cause that's what, like what they do. With, <laughs> that's what they do in the ski industry. Uh, they, 
Like, the, oh, this is, the, we just, we made it pink and we shrunk it. That's, oh, that's the women's ski. I'm like, well, what's different about it? You know, when we go to clinics and meetings and they explain all the tech and they're like, well, we just took the men's ski and we shrunk it and we put a, a female logo. So it's pink it and shrink it. It was what I always yeah. call it. But, you know, there's a lot of group and I can, I can't speak for any females, but there's a lot of female skiers right now because in the female ski world, their boot flex only goes to like 110 and like a men's goes to like a 160. And it's like, well, give us these better products because we're just as good, if not better than these people. Like there's no difference. I mean, there is, but there isn't. So mm -hmm. it's fun that you consciously built this brand and what's become maybe when you were starting to build it, you didn't know it was going to become, but it's become a brand and like your shirts are all things that I would wear and they're black and white. And like, they're not, they're not those pink it and trinket types like girls who yeah. girls who ride or what, you know, it's, so it's, it's fun to see and it's fun to, to watch. Cause I've been watching from afar for a little bit. When you, how did you going back? How did you, why did you get this idea? Start this? Did you have event experience prior to this? Did you wake up one morning and be like, talk to your girlfriends like I'm doing a camp out this year like how did that <laughs> how did that come to life because this is you you said you had three events this year four I events? have a total of four going on this year so you have four events yeah. how long has it been in business how long have you been this is only our fourth year okay so in four years you've grown arguably yeah we've grown pretty pretty tremendously in fact from year one to year two we doubled the amount of events we went from one event to two events and both and we doubled the amount of people attending the event so we our very first event had about 80 girls for a first event i mean that's great yeah that's a success and then, by the, <laughs> and then by the next year we were over 160 because there's just you know there was so much in, the girls had fun and it was it, it was so great <laughs> um to back up, I guess, and, and answer your full question, um, I mean, there's a lot to tell, and I'm just going to try to like, get, you know, not not go on about it too too long. But um, something that people don't know about me is that my first job ever I got when I was 15 years old, and I got it because I was in the um, gifted and talented arts program at my high school where this job had advertised. And basically it was a jewelry shop that was independent and did its own custom work. They needed someone with drawing skills. So I started working there at age 15 after school. So basically by the time, fast forward from age 15 to 27, which is 12 years, I worked there that whole time. And so I grew to be basically the manager. I ran all operations. I overlooked, I oversaw all quotes and customer policies. I was a custom designer because my drawing skills grew into people who wanted custom designs. I would draw and do designs for them by order, um, which also taught me all the engineering of jewelry and, um, and natural gems and things like that. So by age 27, I was kind of like an expert at something. Like I really knew what I was doing there. And yet I was only 27. I, you know, had a real job out of college. And even in college, you know, I, I, I got a bachelor of science. I majored in science. I used to think I would go to med school, but I was fascinated by psychology, you know, all levels of science. <clears throat> by the time I graduated, 
I already had this real job that really needed me. And so I just kept doing that. Um, and, and part of it was also marketing. You know, we didn't have back then like a great website or certain events. We used to have the, the newspaper would put together our, our ads and they looked terrible. They were like clip art garbage. So I took a summer um, graphic design class. Um, you were supposed to have a prerequisite for this design class, but I went in and I asked the teacher, I said, you know, I don't have that. Can I just join anyway? And she goes, well, let's give it a try. We'll see how you do. At the end of that very first class, she came up to me and asked me to stay because I kind of produced some of the best work in the class. So basically I've always had a half science engineering brain and a half artistic brain my whole life. So every job I've ever had has, has sort of been like that. And, and this was, this was the first part of that. Um, by 27, I felt like I didn't have enough. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't feel like I had enough real world or real business experience to truly know what I was doing. And so I felt like I needed to chase more. And so I went job hunting and I ended up working for Macy's corporate. So total opposite. I wanted, you know, big corporate job experience, uh, working in New York city, went and did that. And my job was pretty similar. My job was half artistic and half logistical and planning and stuff like that. Um, and through the years, I always did, you know, marketing related stuff and I've always been hyper organized. Um, so I won't continue on telling you my whole, you know, career history, but, but by the time I started uh, riding dirt bikes, I had a sense, you know, through the community that I'd been exposed to through street riding, you know, I met a lot of girls through riding street bikes and I was kind of the only one who rode a dirt bike and I just knew they were curious. They started asking me and a lot through seeing through social media, like what I was doing. I had the sense that like, this is the next wave for women, you know, because there was a huge wave of getting into motorcycling. Um, and then once you do that, you just think like, what is next? And then going off-road is kind of that next challenge. And I could see that curiosity brewing. And I thought, well, we really need this. And with women asking me, well, how can I do what you're doing? Where can I go? I didn't really have any answers for them because there really aren't a lot of places to go, you know, in the Northeast. We have very little public land. Nobody runs rental operations. Um, it's very difficult to have a sustainable you know, business in that industry in that way. Um, and it's a lot of like clubs who work with independent landowners to actually create events that are already out there. And in a lot of ways, those events are hard to find or they're not really appealing because they're overrun by men um, because maybe they aren't marketed properly either. Or sometimes they're not even organized properly. You know, you kind of go and you're like, it's it's not fun all the time to be there. And so it's like, I wanna create access to land um, and have an answer for these girls who are interested in getting into it. Um, so how can I do that? And I kind of just started step-by-step step and I really started, my very first thing I started was I invited uh, seven girls over to my house to learn. I had my two small dirt bikes. Um, I think we got maybe like a third or fourth from a couple of friends. And I had this group of seven or eight girls and, you know, we grilled on the back deck and then, you know, we put whatever spare gear we had. We, he said here, you know, gear up. And I showed them how to kickstart a dirt bike and how to start riding it and how to use the clutch and all that. And we have a little loop in my backyard. Um, and so that was a huge catalyst for me because it was so fun. It, it was so fun to watch them learn and watch them like beam with excitement 
as they learned. It just took me put, took me back to the beginning of, of for my own self. Like when I was learning, it just was just really, really cool. Um, and I thought, okay, like, let's just keep this going. Let's try to, so I kind of just worked my way up from there. I built a bigger, um, it wasn't even an event. It was still just a private gathering, but we got like 15 girls. And then uh, from there, I just sought out a couple of clubs that I knew of. I had a, I had a friend who was a president of a riding club and I, and I pitched him and I said, I want to do a women's event one weekend, you know, can we partner and do this? And that's kind of how the first event started. And, you know, it just grew from there. So, you know, to today we're our own, you know, I'm, I'm not a club, but I'm my own entity with, with the AMA. I'm chartered with the AMA to run my own events. Um, and I work with landowners to access private land and not just any private land. I have to go there and see it and really feel the vision and feel like this is a fun place to ride. Um, and that's what I do. I sort of, you know, so it just grew into me curating the experience the way I would want it to be. Um, and the goal is always just for it to be fun, just fun. I just, I like to look at a train and be like, this place would be fun. Like, let's ride here. This is going to be great. Long story. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's fun because it's fun. It is fun because it's just like, well, how did you get into this? How'd you get the idea? Well, as you know, in riding, really a dirt bike and I wanted to ride with my friends. This is what I heard, you know, like I wanted to ride with my friends. So I invited friends over and I was like, Hey, you need to ride this so that we can all go ride. And then now it's created, you know, I think the best businesses are built off passion. Like you can't yeah. fake that. Like you didn't know that you were, you know gonna... what? I left something out. Go ahead. <laughs> my whole, my whole point of telling you about my history with that, my first job 12 years, my first job, you know, so formative years, age 15 to 27, I worked really hard for that place. And it was kind of all I thought about outside of, you know, I went to school, but outside of it, I worked every free hour that I had because I really, really cared about it. Um, and I helped it grow in ways that for a young person was kind of huge because I really just, because I had the control, I guess, and I had the ability to do it. So after leaving there and chasing other jobs, I didn't really have that. And that's the piece I left out is that for a lot of years, I had this sort of hole, this feeling that um, I wanted to work my ass off at something again, but I wanted it to be something I cared enough about. And in a lot of ways, I knew that that had to be something that I started on my own because you can work your ass off for somebody else. At the end of the day, you're not always, you're not in full control you're at the mercy of someone else's decisions. And that was always kind of a difficult thing for me. So there was a really long time where I felt I'm missing the, I want to find the thing that I want to do that I love enough to work my ass off at it. Um, and I do believe obviously that I really found that with this and it was only four years ago. So it took a while for me to find it, but. Yeah. I think it's that internal struggle of doing what we're supposed to do versus what we want to do and yeah. everyone. And it's always hard to make that leap. Like I'm sure when you, you know, stopped working for Macy's, that was like a scary decision. And then four years later, six years later, however, it doesn't matter. It's like, Oh, that was such a simple choice looking back. And it's, I think we just struggle with that as, adults now but when you're growing up like what you did and how you did it and why you did it and then you like make the next leap because you're supposed to 
Like you, you were supposed to go to work for Macy's in New York city. Cause that's like the next step. And then you do yeah. that and you're like, Oh, this isn't that fulfilling. Like it's cool. And you have like a, you know, your resume notch, but it's not always the, to me, that's how I always view it. Like there's plenty of things that I, I did because I thought I had to versus just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. So I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so I definitely, much. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. And I definitely always had, um, at least in my younger years, like a definite sort of overachiever mentality, even though, I mean, I just have to say this, like, I'm somewhat lazy. Like, I feel like I'm somewhat lazy. So I don't really feel like an overachiever, but I think mentally my visions for things are overachiever visions. And then the things that I really care about when I try to get to them, I am a perfectionist. And so it's this weird, it's this weird thing. But basically as a kid, I always just thought that the best thing to do for me would be like that I would climb some sort of corporate ladder, that I would be some sort of CEO. I, I don't know why I just, you just gravitate towards like a, some grand idea of, of something. And then, yeah. And I, then I just felt like working at a small local business, which is where I was in my twenties, I felt like I need more experience. I need to know like, how do big companies really make these decisions? You know, I was teaching myself marketing and certain ideas at home, you know, at night I was researching things. And that's part of what I mean about caring so much about the business that I would go home at night and I would learn, how do I build a website? How do I, you know, whatever. Um, to fast forwarding being like, well, maybe I need to work somewhere else that actually, you know, teaches me that. At the same time, that first business, the owner had offered to give me half of the business. And that was a moment for me of like, I either, I either accept and I'm here pretty like, this is what I'm doing with my life, or I don't do that, which in, in that case, like I was the youngest per person working there, but I was running a lot of stuff. I was, and I wasn't always getting the respect, let's say that comes with, <clears throat> that comes with age or what have you. So you know, moving on to Macy's, it was a really good move. But years later, I think the thing I was missing there was um, a sense of community. Because when you're in a big company like that, one day someone's there, the next day they're gone. You're replacing. You know, all of a sudden someone's fired. All of a sudden there's a restructuring. All of a sudden, you know, and that happened multiple times while I was there. And I was lucky enough to be kept and land on my feet and ended up working with really great people. But it was just a matter of time. There was never a set, you know, a set trajectory for me. Um, and then kind of what also happened is I moved back out uh, away from New York. I moved back into New Jersey when I met my now husband. So that was part of it too. And I just thought, you know, I think I just want that local place that I work for where you feel like it's community, you know, and you, I like, I felt like I wanted to know people for a long time, people I work with, I want to know them for like 10 years. Yeah, they're your family. You you see, arguably, you see people you work with more than you see your family. Yeah, sometimes. And I mean, I've switched jobs even since that one too now, and and I have a pretty good setup. But I, I think that I think that um, yearn for community is part of what parlayed into me doing this event too. You know, I think we all definitely have a yearning for connection and belonging, community, and you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts on like sports psychology and leadership and it's like they're just they're just talking about these things that are in my head all the time which is everybody wants to feel connected and it's just finding a way of, of doing that too and you know so I was definitely seeking that at my last 
actual job as well before before starting this event. And so starting the event gave me that creative freedom, the full control to make the decisions that I knew needed to be made without needing to wait or ask for someone else. Um, but it also, you know, gives me a connection to so many awesome people who have come to the table, you know, because I, I don't do everything by myself. We have trail support. You know, I have girls who work with me who do, you know, any number of tasks and staffing and, you know, it, it takes a village to really run a production like that. So um, it's been really cool to kind of cultivate. And then the people who attend, I mean, your girlfriend, like, from what I know, I put a free ticket in a raffle and I believe she's the one who went, she went to the event to yeah. try and win that ticket and then she won it. I think that's how it worked. Um, at um, Spoken Dagger at Spoken in Buffalo, Dagger. right? Yeah. yeah, so Spoken Dagger's in our hometown uh, Yeah. and Jody and Drew run that show and they're, you know, same thing, power couple, they own this motorcycle shop and like Jody's this, you know, badass street rider yeah and, and business and businesswoman and graphic and designer, designer and every, yeah. everything but yeah so then they do like clinics and try to get females involved and in like how to change your oil because it's not hard it's just like this intimidating man's world of like like it's a screw you pull it out it's it drains you put right. more in. like it's but so they cultivate this really cool culture and it's funny because jody's this again badass like motorcycle girl and I don't think she'd ever ridden a dirt bike. And then there's like Jessica who grew up racing motocross since she was four years old and never yeah. owned a street bike. Right. <laughs> so like, it's just funny how there's, it's, it's just like anything. It's like skiing. It's like mountain biking. There's these, there's different aspects of all of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she showed <laughs> up and, and ended up going to your event and now continues to go to the event because it's, I think it's just, like when she rides with us, it's the boys club. Like there's yeah. a, there's not a big group of, and it's starting like Jody just got a dirt bike and her friend Elizabeth just got like, they're all starting. I'm like, you guys yeah. need to well, go. Last thing I was going to say, I, I met Jody through more of the street riding community. We both have worked at babes ride out East coast. Um, that's where I knew her from. And then I knew of her store and she held a weekend event, which I, I think was for International Women's Ride Day or Female Ride Day a few years ago. And she had a raffle and she asked if I wanted to contribute. And I said, yeah, I'll give a free event ticket and like, I think t-shirt or something. Um, and so when Jessica won it, I, Jody told me, she said, Jess came here specifically, like that ticket drew her there. That's why she came and she actually won it. And so I thought that that was so cool. I was so stoked that she won it and she came. And then Jody herself came um, like on a whim. The last time we had the motocross event, which also has lessons, like I mentioned, she really hadn't ridden dirt bikes very much. And on a whim, I think it was the night before she scrounged up some gear from people she yeah, knew. I literally borrow. dropped off Jessica's equipment at the shop and it was like, <laughs> good luck, have fun. It's and way different drove, than riding on a street. And then she drove six hours. And I, I still remember this Instagram post that she made where she she took a picture of the dirt bikes on the farm. And the farm is so beautiful where we have the event. And she said, just drove six hours and it's already worth it. So just when she rolled in, she felt like this is worth it. And that's that's the vibe I want to create. That's why I kind of pick and choose the places that we go to. But to see her, she rode that whole weekend. She did one lesson and then um, she wanted to do another lesson and they were out of bikes. So I gave her my own bike 
I said, get in on the lesson, just take it, that's do it. Amazing. So she did a second day. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the cool stuff. And that kind of works out here. If I can help anybody, I will. And I just love the enthusiasm that she came and she just threw herself into it. And then that later in 2020, she came to the fall event. And I think she's in for both events again this year. So it's like, like you said, street rider now all about the dirt and your dirt rider. I mean, helping her too. I mean, loaning the gear. I mean, this is all community stuff we're talking about. And this is yeah, it's Very back exciting. to you creating that space, creating that like, you know what, I can hop in a car and drive six hours and just show up. And I know that I will have this like sense of community when I get there. And if I forget something or like I, I don't have a bike, like the owner of the company handed her personal, you handed your personal bike to someone who paid to be there. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like you, you can't you can't make that stuff up and you can't, you didn't go there being like, you know, I'm going to let anyone borrow my bike. And like, it's going to be a great story. It's just, it's, it's telling who you are and what you want to be and what you see for your brand and your, like what you want, you're building a community and hopefully you can make a couple bucks and put it in your pockets so and you can live too. <laughs> you know, like it's. Which I still have a real job. So that's not even a thing that I do. I mean, all the money really goes right back into the event. Like it is. It's an undertaking for me. Yeah. It's, it's a passion thing for me, but it's, I won't call it a hobby because I, I drive it like a business. Um, do you see but, yourself um, expanding it? I mean, you've already expanded, but like, do you see like a Midwest, a West coast and you don't have to say anything if it's all secret, but no, I mean, I've said this, <clears throat> I think on an interview I did earlier in the year, I, I've definitely, I've considered Midwest and there's a place I, I'm thinking about, it's just, um, it's just like all, it, it just takes some time to figure out, you know, because we do have, you know, we do all the trail prep and stuff like that as well. So we get into properties ahead of time. We have to chainsaw, we have to, you know, we, we map things out to make sure that girls have a map so they know where they're going we have to get in and mark things and so our trail support team which is like for our fall event it's about 12 uh guys and girls but it's mostly guys um they need to know the terrain i mean it just has to be that way because you know for safety i mean for our, our september event we rent a 2300 acre piece of property it's massive um so we all just, we have to be familiar with it. So that's kind of the trick is also just getting a place and having the staff who are familiar with it so that we can help girls get around that we can, you know, rescue in an unfortunate situation, which, you know, look, we try to keep that absolutely to a minimum. And the girls are great in helping us do that by riding very sensibly. Um, but, you know, all things that we have to consider you know, getting in there, but yeah. So anyway, back to your question, <laughs> I do consider um, more towards the Midwest I've thought about because I know that they have the same issue that we do, which is like very little public riding land. Um, and that's kind of all I've really thought about lately as far as expanding, because I, I already expanded in a few different ways with clinics and lessons. And I want to keep doing that. Um, you know, we have, a, uh, we're sponsoring a Meg's Brap clinic this August, which if you don't know who Meg's Brapp is, you could find her on Instagram. She has a huge following. Um, she's basically a really, you know, avid technical rider. I mean, she, she does some stuff that is pretty insane. Um, she's very skilled. So she runs her own clinics throughout the year. We're, we're hosting one in August. Um, I'm hosting um, at my September event, Rachel Gudish, who is a 
top extreme rider. She's doing some clinics. Um, and I think that's where I like, definitely like to focus. The girls are really interested in training. So we always, since day one, we've had training options at all of our events. You know, we like to have all different levels of, of lessons. Um, and then this October, my latest bit of expansion has been to do a smaller event that is actually a, like a retreat. So instead of a camp out, there's accommodations and it's for dual sport riders. So it's a little bit more on the relaxed vibe. It's so like, okay, you don't like camping and you just, you want to ride your motorcycle, but you also want it to be, you know, you want to have a bathroom and a shower at the end of the day and you want to sit down and have a nice meal. It's, it's more like that. It's more on that vibe. And so we're accommodating about 25 to 30 people in Pond Eddy, New York, um, at this really cute, really, really cute, uh, like B&B spot um, called the Starling. And we just have a lot of fun activities planned for that group. And that's just gonna be like a really pleasant weekend. And we're gonna do like a hundred mile uh, dual sport ride all together. So that's very exciting. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know, we'll see what happens with next year. This year, all of that stuff on my plate has been, it's been good. It's been a, been a good chunk. Yeah, and I'm sure after last year with, you know, a global pandemic, it was probably just a ball of stress trying to figure out, is it going to happen? Will it happen? Can it happen? Can we do it safely? Will people yeah. show up? So, I mean, I'm sure it's a breath of fresh air. I know it is for me and probably every other human on this planet that like, okay, we're moving forward. We can start planning things <laughs> like you and can plan so an event. And I, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's trying to manage all that in general has got to be stressful in itself and then adding a global pandemic on top of it is yeah <laughs> do you have does the event have sponsors do you seek out all those as sponsors i guess how have the brands been with an all women's event have oh, they been, been like amazing. excited that's cool that's fun to yeah get. they've been amazing um we are i'm sorry i lost my screen there um we're sponsored by monster energy which had just been like so amazing to us, so supportive. Um, they're actually sending Vicki Golden out to our June event this year. Um, if you don't know who Vicki Golden is, she's pretty much like one of the most elite riders on the planet. She's a freestyle motocross rider. She's won X Games medals. She's, I mean, look her up, she's record-breaking. Um, so it's gonna be really, really cool to just have her come out. Um, and just, she's just gonna look really, chill and ride with people. She's going to duck in on the lessons, maybe offer some pointers. It's going to be very organic. And it's kind of nice because I know that I think someone at her level probably appreciates something like that too, where she's going to come just interact with, you know, 150 or more women who are aspiring and, you know, yeah, riders. she gets to go to camp. Yeah. She and she's going to have fun like, too. Like, we're not... and, do jump and like do tricks. She can just like ride her dirt bike with her yeah. peers. Yep. And it's like, a different experience for someone like her too. And um, Rachel Gudish had said the same thing. She came out, uh, Rachel's the extreme rider who, who's an enduro rider and she's doing clinics this year, but she came to us at, in 2019 and, you know, she's always racing. She's always working at racing and she's always, you know, there's never really a time where she is say relaxed riding for fun, let alone with a bunch of other women. So it's just unique. It's, you know, it's something else and it's really refreshing and just, you know, it's pretty fun. You can't help but have a smile on your face for something like that. Um, and so that's thanks to our other sponsor, Beta Motorcycles. Um, I love that Beta sponsored us and 
that one came around because, um, well, in a couple of different ways. I mean, they reached out to us, but also I was hunting for my like next perfect bike. They still and, make a 200, right? Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah. In 2019, they released the 200 RR, which was a new model. And I had been hunting for like the right bike for me for two years. And then this bike came out and I went and looked at it and I just, I just knew, and I read a few re- reviews, uh, Enduro 21 did a great review and I just felt like, okay, this is the bike for me. And I, and I loved it. And I just had the sense that like women who are in my position of height, weight, um, and say moving up from your intermediate bike to something that has more power, you know, a full race bike, that's a really tricky niche to be in, um, especially with the way that bikes are manufactured, you know, the, the stock manufacturers for men who are heavier weight. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know about bikes, you know, you, there's just a lot of things you have to consider and change about them from considering the height, but also the suspension, how much weight they support. Um, Cause if there's no give in the bike, you're just, you're just riding a big object. That's not really working with your body. <laughs> um, and so in me finding the beta, that was a big, thing for me. And I reached out and now, you know, I keep in touch with the president of beta. He's super supportive. I just message him directly. And he says, you know, we're in like, he's just, it's super cool to be able to just message the the president of a company. And that's the other thing I like about them. They have that like small company feel, um, even though they're a big company, they, they have those values in place of being a little more niche focused. Um, Yeah. And I think they're pretty small, but growing in North America too. Like they've been bigger in Europe. And then within the last four to six years, probably they've been making this big North American push, which is like fun to see. And that, you know, seeing them support brands like you and a lot of pro riders are riding beta now. It's fun to see like, cause you're going up against Yamaha KTM, like, those are mega monsters. Suzuki's really not yeah. in the enduro world necessarily. Cowie just came out with a new enduro bike. To get into that yeah. world, it's like, you know, it's the top tiers and then it's Beta and Sherco. And they've both been making these like major US pushes, which is really fun to see. Yeah. Because it's a and choice. Like, en- enduro riders that I've known for years were already all about those bikes. It was maybe, like you say, like it was more the mainstream where it's all, oh, KTM, Husqvarna, KTM, Husqvarna, which are great bikes as well. Um, But it's just nice to show that there are some other options and there are differences to them, you know, and they've both been changing over the past couple of years. But the, that rideability factor of betas, I actually am seeing that approach a little bit more in some of the other brands where they are trying to make, you know, it's not that the power isn't there. It's just that you need those nuances for certain terrain and, you know, not to get into that that whole, that's a no, whole other topic, bro. That could be a whole blog it's, post on its own. It's as simple but. as like, I, 210 pound Adam need a different bike than skinny mini over there. Like we just need different, even like my smaller yep. guy friends, they don't need a 300 CC two stroke. Cause he, you know, my buddy's five, six and 160 pounds, a beta 200, he can it's got plenty of power and he can manhandle it, which is what you manhandle is the wrong term, but he can, he can push it around, which yeah. is the good, which is what you want. Like I am a big guy. So with 300, I can still push right. that around. So it's, yeah. it's just finding I mean, the right bike that, that works. Right. Like my husband is about, I think five ten and um, close, maybe 150 pounds. So he's not a huge guy. He's lean. He's very lean. 
but he's written, he, uh, and he's written his whole life. I mean, since he was six years old. So, you know, you consider that he knows how to handle a bike, but he, he's been on a KTM 200 XCW, which was the, you know, the hot woods bike, let's say for many years. And then KTM, you know, discontinued the 200. Um, then beta came out the 200 and that's the whole experience I was going through as I was riding his bike and thinking, well, this is probably my next step and what I would need, but it, um, obviously it was set up for him, not quite right for me. And then the beta came out with the 200 and it's like, woohoo, there's a 200 woods bike on the market again. And it happens to have a little bit lower seat height. And, you know, and that's why I snapped it up. But, um, I've, I started really riding and most of my riding is with guy friends. So him and a couple of other friends and all on 200s, all on 200 two strokes. And since I bought my beta, I have to say the three guys that I, that we know who are probably the best riders that we know, all three have gone out and bought a beta. Two of them bought 200 RRs and one of them just got a 300 RR and says that it's the best bike he's ever owned. And so I feel a little proud, like, like, yeah, like, okay. You know, cause when I made the choice, I was like, nobody I knew was riding a beta and I'm like, but I feel like this is for me. And to see, to see that how enjoyable they are, it's a little bit, well, you know, it's cool. It's cool. Like, it's just cool yeah. to see that catch on. And it's, it's, it's good when you go back to your president friend <laughs> and you're like, Hey, all my friends bought betas. Like it, it works. And it's fun to see. It's just fun to see brands hop on and care about like, yeah you know, arguably a, a smaller fish in a, or a big fish in a smaller pond. Like we're in this little Northeast East coast nook and to uh -huh. see like a mega monster brand care is like, thank mm -hmm. you. Cause that goes so much further than maybe they even understand. Yeah. I, I think they, I think they do understand. And it's just, it's great that they do. Cause the, those are the sponsor relationships that are just so awesome when you you've got like a partner who you can easily reach out to and they make something happen and they understand the value of it um which is awesome so they they send us some demo bikes for girls to try so they send the 200 rr and the x trainer which the x trainer is a great option for women also because the whole frame is a little smaller it's like a slim down chassis from all the other models which makes it a little more petite um, it's also has like a really, it's, it's kind of a hybrid with their trials world. So beta has been big in trials for decades. Um, and so it's that hybrid between, you know, dirt biking and trials where it has a really smooth, predictable power delivery, which is just, which is great for especially East coast technical riders, but also females who might be a little bit smaller, a little more petite. Um, and then this year, I think they're actually sending us a trials bike for girls to, uh, to start trying out as well. Um, so that's, it's just awesome that they do that. And we have the, uh, the demos running all day at each, at each day of the September event so that girls can just, whenever they feel like it, they can stop off and say, okay, I want to take this bike for a little ride and, and take it out for a rip and get a feel for what it's like. And it's also good for girls who, you know, you kind of, when you're starting out, you're probably on a four stroke because they're more predictable and those smaller bikes are four stroke. And then you inevitably want to move up to a two stroke because they're lighter weight. And that's what happened with me. They're lighter weight. It's a little less picking up to do when they, when they fall, they're still heavy, but um, there's a learning curve just with learning to ride a two stroke of how to use the clutch and everything. So it's another really good experience and stepping stone for, for female riders. So I'm really very happy that beta is on with us for the September event. How can people get involved? 
how can people get involved <laughs> besides um, buying tickets and showing up? Um, it depends. I mean, that's a big question. It depends how they might want to be involved, but, um, I always am available through, you know, people can message me through the website. Um, there's a contact form on there and it pretty much comes straight to me. So, uh, if they check out overandoutmoto.com, uh, take a look at what's going on and, um, you know, feel free to send me a note if there's something that you do have in mind. Um, and I've had people reach out in different ways. There's, you know, sometimes people want to maybe offer some sort of volunteer. They want to volunteer. They want to, you know, do trail support. Um, it really just, they just have to message me and we, we touch base and, and talk it out. And if uh, on the sponsorship level, you know, same thing, just shoot me a note and I'm at the receiving end of every, every email that it comes in. It all goes in. to you. It all goes to me. Everything comes to me. <laughs> cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to share about the brand? Where can people follow you? Where can they follow over and out? Uh, we talked about the website. I feel like we talked about a lot. We covered a lot of things. We pretty uh, much did. I mean, and on, uh, I should just say that on Instagram, my handle is also over and out moto. Um, it's just over and out wasn't available, but over and out moto works. The website is over and out moto.com and on Facebook, same thing over and out moto. We also have a Facebook group that, you know, like hundreds of women belong to. So if you're in the, in the area or you're getting into dirt bikes or what, whatever perspective you're coming from, sometimes the group is helpful. Uh, you can just shout out questions or get to know people or make, make riding plans, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much about it. And, you know, there's a few more sponsors. I would just like to thank really quick since I got a little sidetracked my sponsors. Okay. Um, Fox Moto and Fox Racing have just been amazing to us. So has Revit um, and Revzilla. Um, and we also each year have uh, Motor Girl, which is another small female owned um, motorcycle business based in Brooklyn. They've come out to every single event and they run demos and things like that. So not a huge brand, but like worth a totally worth a shout out because they're awesome and they're doing great things for the community as well. Um, so thank you to those guys for support and partnership and all of that. And thank you to you for <laughs> one, doing this podcast two creating an East coast female dirt bike community. Cause I think it was something that was lacking and it's only growing. So hats off to you for building that and continuing oh, to you. build that. Cause it's not, easy <laughs> it's not easy it's not easy and credit to the girls who are getting out and doing it as well you know what i mean um yeah it I takes it thank takes you and i want to yeah and i just want to share that i thank you for the compliments and i just want to share it with the girls who are doing it girls who want to do it and they're going for it and i think that that's worth an additional applause I think it's cool that so many girls are coming out and taking a chance and making it happen. It's not easy. It's not an easy sport to get into. It's not an easy uh, event to run, but we're doing it. <laughs> it's amazing. And just one more thing you have, let's list your events. What we have, there's one coming up like in a week or two, a month. right? A month. a month. Just about a month. Yeah. So June 25th through 27th is our over and out Moto X event. And that's in Stockton, New Jersey. And that one has motocross, uh, woods loops, lessons, um, and guided dual sport rides and a bunch of other fun activities, you know, the goat yoga that I mentioned and <laughs> skateboarding. 
Um, then in August, we are sponsoring a Meg's Brat clinic, which is unfortunately sold out, but worth looking into. So you know about it. And then hopefully she comes around again, you're, <laughs> you're on top of it. Anybody who's out there. Um, and then September 17th through 19th is our biggest event. This is our camp out where we take over the 2,300 acres that's in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. And that's for woods and enduro riding and dual sports. So we have guided dual sport rides um, hosted by a local club, the Del Val Trail Riders, who are awesome. We have the lessons uh, held by GPMX Dirty Girls, who are also awesome. Um, and the beta demos that I was talking about before. So that's gonna be another epic event. Um, and then our new event, which is October 1st through 3rd, that's the over and out dual sport retreat. And that's the one that has, you know, bed and bath accommodations, you know, food, meals, everything included, all that good relaxing stuff. It's going to be a nice way to finish out the year. Yeah. It sounds like a nice little glamping <laughs> trip that you might actually be able to enjoy. Yeah. Moto glamping. Yeah. Moto glamping. Yeah, yep. moto glamping. <laughs> cool. Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Good luck on all of your events this summer and. I think Jess is going to the one in September. So awesome. I'm sure I'll get awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. This was awesome. You crushed yeah, it. Yeah. Super fun. Thanks. So there you have it. Episode 16 of The Pursuit with Kelly McCaughey. Uh, how rad was that? I want to go to a summer camp. I wish that there was someone organizing a summer camp for me to go to and just have a good time and meet like-minded individuals to go ride dirt bikes. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys for listening. Sierra Nevada, thank you so much for supporting me, supporting the show, supporting what we do. And, you know, if you're on iTunes right now, please like, subscribe. Five-star reviews are the best. Peace.